Hi, friend. Hi, friend. I'm Michael Cassidy. And I'm Laura Holloway. And this is the Actors Helpline. I often um, try to manage my emotions and existential dread by using my phone. And it's pretty equal opportunity. Sometimes it's just like refreshing my inbox. I can't be the only one who does this. I don't think you're alone um, in this. And <laughs> I'm probably the only person who does this. <laughs> Everyone else probably has like a super healthy relationship mm-hmm. with their phones, if they're even using them at all. Yeah, no, people barely use them. So I often have like waves of emotion hit me. I have two hot spots. One is school drop off is like 7.55 for one of the kids. And as I'm pulling away from the school, I'll have this feeling of like, oh, another day. Or just in this particular case, this is like three days ago, dude. I had this wave of like, you can't keep doing this. <laughs> I don't know what else it I don't know how to describe it. It was like this feeling of like, you know, when you're in a dynamic with a intimate person, whether it's a romantic partner, a business partner, a best friend or, or whatever, a kid, or a kid mm-hmm. where you're like, God, we're just doing it over and over Every, again. Like, yes. No I, one yes, wins. Yes. Yeah. So, I 100% relate to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So I was having that feeling with my relationship with myself mm-hmm. where I was just like, God, you and you and you are so annoying to me, whoever the third me is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to manage this with my phone. This is the point of all this. And I opened my uh, chosen music listening app no free ads and i um i was like i I gotta do something different i can't just listen to my regular podcast i have to change it up because the me and me are fucking with the you inside of me whoa and so i (laughs) for some reason the voice in my head goes listen to country music which i never do i don't dislike it i think some of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard are country music but i literally never listen to country music. interesting maybe four songs a year and so i went to hot country playlist and i hit the top song and i just played it as loud as i could as i'm like driving to my next stop and i can't stop listening to it now what it's been three days wait 72 wait, wait, hours wait, wait. of just hot country is this like new at the top of the charts right now is that what that means by hot or is this like best songs of all time let's get into it hot country yeah the very first song is tucson too late yeah okay so here's what i want to say i'm scrolling here listeners for those of you who don't know i live in tennessee so humble brag i can't avoid country if i want to i am a huge country music fan but i would say i'm not a, uh, I don't listen to today's country music. I listen to like classic country music and uh, 80s and 90s a lot because that's what I came up with. So, but but way far further back than that as well. Hank Williams and I mean all of it. This is not something that Michael and I, we've never talked about this. We've never talked about country music, I don't think. I didn't know that you never listened to it, but I'm looking at these songs and I... I I would never listen to this list. <laughs> I would never listen to this list. And the fact that you've been not been able to stop listening to it is so interesting that it makes me want to listen to it now. 
Are you enjoying it or do you just it's, feel it's, compelled? Yeah. No, it's working. It's working. It's working to cure your existential dread? It's curing. No, it's working to help me manage the waves of emotion of my humanness. Well, that's great, Michael. It's working. Then I'm really happy for you. Oh, <laughs> always incredible timing. Hello. Hello, actor. <laughs> is he okay? Hello, know. actors helpline. This is Eli. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. Here's my question. So I got some headshots. I've got a reel that has a few short films that I've worked on on it. I have been really studying my craft, going to class. I've gotten to a point where I feel like I have some of the skills needed to work as an actor. But I don't go out on auditions. All the jobs I've gotten have been through friends that I know. And I want to start auditioning. It feels like an important part of being a professional actor. But I don't know how to start. I hear that if you get an agent, then the agent will help you get auditions. I don't even know how to do that. And maybe I should just get auditions through one of those online services like Actors Access. What, what, what am I supposed to do? I feel like there's like a step one that I'm missing. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. Thank you, Eli. <clears throat> couple thoughts. couple thoughts right off the bat just about the quality of this message. Um, Eli was in some sort of place where things were driving by, motorized things were driving by, and his um, clarity of thought for over a minute was so, um, like, personal and authentic, but also pointed, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really potent message in a public place. It sounds like he's in motion. Yeah. I could never have, I can't even finish my thought right now and it's perfectly quiet. It's just the two of us. Eli, you should have a podcast. Maybe we'll have Eli on our podcast. I would love that. Eli's basically asking, how do I get an agent? What's my step one? I feel, I feel like I'm missing a step one. I know that feeling, man. Don't you know that feeling? Like I understand the end game and I even understand maybe steps three, four, and 19, but how to take the first step. The first step is a doozy. So let's, let's get yeah, into it's it. Like, it's, it's almost like we could do a series that's like going pro. Yeah. You know, I often yeah. think that when I talk to actors, it's like, I think I'm good. Am I good? There's all these sort of questions around going pro. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about all the stuff he mentioned. He said he has a headshot, mm -hmm. but how to get an agent. Yeah. That's the biggie. Is the biggie. That's the biggie. It's a biggie. It is. It's the question on everyone's mind. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have one and a lot of actors don't. So yeah. Well, well, where should we start? Well, 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 well. I think we should start with how do agents make money? How is the person that you are approaching making money? What are they looking yes, for? Yes. Great idea. Because in order, because this is a business and in order to understand why an agent would want to team up with you and work with or for you, however you view it. In order to understand the process, I think it's really important to understand how they make money. So agents very simply make 10% of the salary that you receive for the acting jobs that they uh, put you up for and book for you or book with you. If you are a non-union actor, they take a higher percentage. 
And we'll come back to agreements with agents, I think, at the end also. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I'm with you on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the – they get a slice of your salary. So the reason that that's useful for actors, the reason that we're starting with that, is because that's what you have to be thinking about when you are approaching them. You have to be thinking, how can I present myself in a way that this person looks at my business materials and goes, this person is going to make mm-hmm. money. And so simply what that means is you need to present yourself as someone who fits into lucrative acting work and lucrative acting work is anything you see when you turn on your TV, go to a movie theater and uh, well, and that's about it. Yeah. Good show. Bye everybody. Um, Yes. So the start is you send your marketing, your business materials to agents. In my experience here in the Southeast market, Um, Most of the agents that I have looked into or dealt with have on their website, hey, here's what the email address where you should send your submissions. This is what I want to see. Headshot and resume, if you have a reel, include it. Or they'll say include a link to it, not an actual file. So make sure you follow those directions. That's really important. That's kind of the first interview is whether or not you could follow the directions. (laughs) Yeah. So Just quickly about those materials, Eli actually has a head start. I would say that step Mm. one is to get a photograph and a reel. Eli said he has both of them Mm. that uh, presents him as an actor. Yes. Um, So just a couple of things about that really quickly. It is very easy with the internet now to just look up what good headshots look like and then show them to a photographer of some uh, expertise and get your version of Mm -hmm. that. Your headshot simply should look like you the way you want to be seen in order to get the jobs that you think you're right for. Yeah. And it should, there are certain like conventions to the lighting and the framing that you could follow. But I would suggest to you that the headshot is just another version of what you need to do with your own taste as it relates to the choices that you make about your business and about your art. There are certain things that like work, but it's not like some crazy, it's not like getting a business card where you're like, Oh man, I never would have thought to get a flashy plastic one. That's kind of like a credit card. It's not like that. You just look at it and go, God, I look good here. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, my best advice would be to go to, go to a, uh, an established headshot photographer. Um, a headshot is not, it's not just a pretty picture of you. You know, there is kind of an art and science to this thing. That's why there are people that do this for a living. And I do want to share from my own experience that it was told to me and it has been a fact of my experience. It's been proven that, you know, actors should spend money on their training and on their headshots. Because if you are the best actor in the world, but your headshots aren't going to get you an agent or appointments, then you're not going to work. And if you have beautiful headshots, but you're not a great actor, (laughs) then, you know, vice versa. So I do highly recommend going to investing in your headshots wherever possible, right? To the extent that you can. You, uh, when I was first starting out, yes, it's have your friend who has a really good camera, try to copy a headshot that you found on the internet. But at a certain point, you are going to need professionally taken shots and that will actually help you. So the next submission piece that we're talking about here is the reel. The reel, simply put, should be short. It should feature you. It it can be nonsensical if it features you doing good, interesting acting in sh- in short bits. Um, <clears throat> 
What I mean by that is I've heard of people getting agents very recently who sent in a reel of just them doing two bitch and self tapes. It doesn't have to be you cut into a movie that looks like it could also be a, a you know, a, a Jordan Peele movie. It's, it's not necessarily about that. If you have that, great. But most people don't when they start out, and that's what we're talking about. So your reel should be short and good. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure if you should include something, cut it, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I agree. We could do a whole episode on reels. Maybe we will someday, but that's the simple version yes. of it. Now, here, here's why it's really important for you to have these two things dialed in when you send into an agent. It's similar to what we said in a previous episode when Laura and I were talking about a dyeing your hair for a job, that you tell the comp- you tell the job, I could dye my hair if, if in order to get this job. And the job just can't doesn't have the infrastructure, okay? So the thing you need to think about with the agent with these materials is, The agent is looking for a headshot and a reel that they can send to casting directors on your behalf to get you an appointment for the role. So your headshot and your reel need to be dialed in in such a way that the agent doesn't have to work as much. Mm -hmm. They are not a developmental client is a client who uh, hasn't worked very much and and is on an upward trajectory. A developmental client is not a client that you take on to teach how, what, what a good headshot looks like or what a good reel looks like. It doesn't mean they're not going to give you good notes, but you need to understand that they're, that they're getting 10% of your salary in exchange for you to show up on time and have your stuff dialed in. It doesn't mean that you're not going to collaborate on making your pitch materials better. The first thing they might do is tell you to get new headshots. It happens all the time. We don't need to talk about that. But that is how you need to think about your pitch materials. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. Is this are, are these bitchin' representations of me something that the agent could then send out with relatively little uh, investment in order to just hit the ground running? Yes. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think it's important to say also that um, – an agent's job is to get you appointments for auditions. That's it. Their job is not to sift through 350 headshots to tell you which one is best. Their job is not to help you cut your demo reel. And and I think that, that the reason that's important is because when I know when I first started out, I didn't know that. I thought, oh, now my agent's here and they're going to help me and I get to email them these, you know, no, your job is to provide them what they need so that they can do their job. And their job is exclusively to get you appointments for auditions and to negotiate contracts. So that's it. Yep. That's it. So (sighs) if you do need to pick a headshot and you can't, somebody asked me this in class last night, I just got new headshots, you know, how do I choose? And my suggestion was narrow it down to, I don't know, 12, 16, something manageable, and then email those to people that know you. This is what I have always done. People that know you. So your partner, your mom, your best friend, and ask them their opinion. And email them to industry professionals that you know and ask them their opinion. Oftentimes, the ones that people pick are not the ones that I would have chosen. And it's like an overwhelming, everybody's like, oh, this one's so you, this one's so you, you know? So it's not the agent's job. Mm. That's the point. It's not your agent's job. And you may have an agent that might hold your hand a little bit, but that's not been my experience. Yeah. Once you have an agent, you'll, that's, we can do a separate episode about what to do once you have an agent. But as it relates to to this stuff, you definitely just want to send a shit hot reel and a shit hot headshot. I mean, that's the simple sort of 
way to describe it. Yes. And what we're talking about right now is unsolicited or solicited mailings of your pitch materials. And one thing that we can add to this sort of mailing idea is that you also send some sort of cover letter slash message. And um, I, I got my agent in a time when email wasn't nearly as prevalent. And so I reached out to a bunch of agents about this question in advance of this podcast. And one thing that overwhelmingly agents are saying to me about getting developmental clients, getting new clients is um, that just like all other jobs that include email, which is to say almost every job these days, there are way, way, way too many emails in the agent job. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? What that means is that the agent needs to send, the prospective client needs to send a email that is super unique, super attention grabbing, and super short. All that message needs to say is click on my materials that are also included here, but you have to manipulate them into paying attention to you. And guess what? <laughs> That's just the first time that you're going to have to do that in your career. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, you know, some ideas along these lines, I, we can't like go, go into this too much, but some might just off the top of my head, some ideas along these lines. I'm, I'm going to say a few things that I know people do that don't work. Um, I just moved to LA dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so check me out. Um, you and everybody else. Yeah. I, um, do, do you need a redhead question mark? <laughs> I would do something super personal. Yeah. I would, I would, yes. Um, Keep funny. it, make it you. It's you, just be your, be yeah. as you as you can be. Right. <laughs> like, be as, as charming as you can possibly be and as short as you can possibly be. And if you're funny, if you're a funny person, be funny. You know, these people are reading 8 million emails a day and they're scanning them or their assistant are scanning subjects and they're all going to be the same. Nobody else can be more you than you. So do you and keep it short. And if you're funny, be funny. And if you're not funny, don't try to be funny. That's it. Be yourself. The last thing I want to say about unsolicited mailings, because we're going to talk about another way that this can work, is that you should reasonably expect, it's it's like so many things in an acting career, you should reasonably expect them to work about one in 10,000 mailings. Um, I asked a few representatives, managers, and agents about this. I've asked a bunch of my acting buddies, like, you know, how does this work? Uh, or how often does this work? Does this really work at all? And the feedback was overwhelmingly like, I get, you know, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 of these a year, and I sign one person out of them every five years. Now, there's a bunch of like circumstances there that we don't need to go into about where that business is at, what that agent's list is like, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that I want to say is that this is an opportunity for you to get in bed with the degree to which the gig is mega competitive, mm -hmm. but also the degree to which you are special mm -hmm. <laughs> and no one, especially when you start out is going to agree that you're an exception, including the person who eventually becomes your agent because they agree with you. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to manage that personally. And you're, you're not going to be done once you get your SAG card or get on TV, you're, I'm still dealing with that 18 yeah. and a half years after my SAG yeah. card, I'm still dealing with this sort of thing of like, 
I think I'm super good at this, but I do hear no an awful lot, or mm-hmm. I do hear nothing an awful lot for someone as good as I think I am in my better moments. I heard nothing for five years in Los Angeles. I heard nothing for five years. And I regularly did the things that, you know, the mailings and the trying to get referrals and the, you know, and I didn't. Workshops. Yeah, workshop, tons of workshops as as has been established. And it just didn't happen until it did. And, And it is what it is. And look, people talk about it being a lottery kind of, you know, it's like winning the lottery and uh, to kind of like, quote unquote, make it in this business. And I'm not entirely sure that I agree fully with that because I don't think it's all luck. However, there is a luck element to it at times for sure. And you have to be in it to win it. It And yeah, it can be unpleasant and just keep doing it one foot in front of the other. I mean, and yeah, go ahead. Or as an alternative, you know, one thing I think about often is like, do I want to keep doing this? Like, I, can mm-hmm. I just accept that this is a condition of the career and of the mm-hmm. job? And then I can make a sort of separate informed decision about whether or not it's a good fit for me. What I would discourage somebody from doing is thinking that they're um, being targeted for failure because almost right. everyone is failing all the time that's uh, right. under a sort of conventional definition. Yes, that's right. And it does, as you said, prep you, right? Like for me, five years of just trying to get an agent, you know, you think, oh, once I get an agent, then it's going to be different. And no, it isn't it. to your point, because then you get the agent and now it's just auditions, audition after audition after audition that you're not getting. <laughs> so this is, this is our job. It is the job is trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and in the conventional definition, failing over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually, if you don't give up, something happens. So don't give up. But if you don't have a real Michael, it isn't always a great idea for for everyone to create their own reel. But maybe you're doing theater. Then there's another alternative, which is you can invite people to your stuff, right? Or if you yeah. made a, a film with a friend and it's screening, invites. Yeah, invites. And the way to do an invite is this. And and I, one thing I want to say is as much as we, we're talking about failure and, you know, sort of conventional, the, the bummer side of the gig, mm-hmm. um, a, the person who clicks on your email like if you think about this, you you if unless you work in a, a sort of like parallel construct in your day job, you don't get unsolicited emails, but these agents do. So mm-hmm. one thing that I'm thinking about right now is like if you send out an unsolicited email that essentially invites a subcontractor into your art business and they click on it, you have sort of done something special. Either or I should say something special has taken place. Let me put it that way. Because just picturing myself in an unsolicited email job, I'd be like mega archive, mega filter all day long. But here's the thing. If they're clicking on your email, they need you or they are being drawn to you. And mm-hmm. so it's not like, it's not that they're just sitting around in these jobs with with um, too much work to do. And they need developmental clients. That's the feeder system works the way it works. And you sort of, the agents need sort of a diverse portfolio of actors really for two reasons. One is that as your as the top end of your client list drops off or goes to another agency, et cetera, et cetera, you need people who are building behind them. So professionally you need that, but also mm-hmm. 
a lot of people need to feel engaged in their jobs and developmental clients are the most engaging clients to have because you're not just calling people and being like, Hey, you know, Dwayne Johnson, he's looking to do an, a, a, a movie. Yeah. Oh, fun. Here, I have one for him. They're, yeah. they're interested in being like, let me introduce you to this really special actor that I found in blah, 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 who uh, just watch this because it's really cool. And we're all sort of really excited about this person for these yeah. reasons. So yeah. the point of that is to say that you are offering something and to understand how you're offering it is another way to sort of look at your pitch materials and make sure that you're sort of packaging the offering in a way that is advantageous. To get back to what we were just saying, the way to do the invitation thing is to say, I'm in this play. Please, it runs at these times mm-hmm. and make it as easy logistically for the potential representative to come to the thing. Ideally, what I would suggest is that they don't even have to reply to the email in order to go to the uh, event, the screening or the play for free. So you put a ticket under their name every single night or you work out some sort of arrangement with the box office where it's like, if this person comes and shows a business card, they're in. They didn't have to pay any money and they left immediately afterward. They've already got your contact info from the mailing and it's very easy for them to do the very difficult thing. Drive across town after a full day of work, see you in this play and then sort of interface with your talent in the way that you're asking them to and then contact you about it later. And so that's another thing you can do. It's not an either or either. The last thing I want to say is like you can send a really bitch and real and then also say I'm in this play. And I would suggest to you that you don't need to get into the best uh, theater company in your city to do this because again, they're in the business of signing developmental talent. So yes, that's a direct answer I can give to Eli is like, do a tiny play that you think you're going to look good in and then invite every single agent you can email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having been a person who was in Hollywood doing plays in a very tiny rinky dink theater at the time, and a lot of the actors were inviting agents and managers, I want to say, I understand that you might not get comps every night. (laughs) You might get two comps for the entire run. And therefore you might feel like, oh, I need to know when this person is coming. And I'm going to submit to you that, no, you don't. You need to buy a ticket for every single night and put their name on the list. And if that person uses it, great. And if not, it gets released at, you know, curtain or whatever. The point is you can figure it out and there will be an investment on your part. There's so much investment on our part to make our thing happen. It pays off eventually. You have to keep the faith and not take any of the downsides personally. You just got to find a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can also like, I mean, 50% of the time the agent's going to email you back and be like, Hey, yeah, cool. Thanks. I want to come on Friday. And then you're done. You know, like it's, it's a, um, there are plays I've certainly done plays where it would not be feasible for me to do what you just suggested because the, the theater company, 55 bucks a pop. Yeah, exactly. It was like, yeah, but I'm talking, but I was, (laughs) but I'm talking if you're in like a rinky dink theater where they can't afford to give you comps at all, or, you know, where our tickets were 15 to $20 or whatever, you know, and you just, but my point is figure it out. That's my point. Just figure out how to make it as easy as possible for the person that you're inviting. And however that can work for you, talk, like Michael said, talk to the box office, figure it out. Hey, there's this person. If they show up, I'll pay for them. You know, if your shit's sold out every night, you might not have this issue. 
The difference between agents and managers, friends, is this. Managers have a shorter client list. They're more involved with sort of like the quarterbacking of the career. They're more involved with like, okay, I'm working in Atlanta in May and New Orleans in June. Uh, help me get the plane, make sure the plane tickets and the uh, uh, airport transportation is all dialed in. Um, managers are great at getting agents. They have reciprocal relationships. That's how a lot of established actors get new agents is through manager uh, uh um, connections. Um, and you know, if people are interested, they can ask us specific questions about this stuff, but that's the simple thing. So from the perspective of Eli, who doesn't have any representation, I would say that man, I would do everything we're saying about agents with managers as well. There's no reason not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, exactly. I think this is a good primer on how to get an agent. Um, we are, we do have a question coming up about, uh, sort of like how to talk to agents or, or to work with agents. Um, so look out for that. And again, if you guys have specific questions, um, I also hope to get agents and managers on the show. I will say this, <laughs> when I ask agents <laughs> and managers <laughs> the truth about what, to, like, give me the true dope about what it yeah. is to be a beginning actor and how to put your nose in front. They, I have Run found screaming. many agents and managers <laughs> to be either evasive or desirous of anonymity. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. the best way for you guys to employ this podcast to um, or empower this podcast to get you information is to ask really specific questions so that we can get that information potentially uh, for the price of anonymity. <laughs> but yeah. I'm working on it. We're working on it. We're, we're doing our best. Casting directors are a lot easier to come by. We'll have one of those or one or one or a few of those eventually. I hope this was helpful, everybody. If you want to leave us a message on the Actors Helpline, you go to the actorshelpline.com, you click on the microphone and you mm-hmm. put in a name. It can be a pseudonym. You put in an email or don't, that's optional. We don't, we're not forming a mailing list or a super PAC around this information. We just want to help. Or a church. I actually am going to start a church. So we're going to have to cut you saying that. Okay, great. You can find us on Instagram. You can send us a little DM or a comment on the post question as well. And we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, we appreciate you. You can find us on social media, on Instagram. Michael is at Michael Cassidy Actor. And I am at Holloway underscore EE. So hard for me to remember my own Instagram handle. That's not a good sign. We're also on Instagram and on TikTok at the Actors Helpline. So uh, reach out to us. Ask us your questions. We're getting some really good ones. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, everybody.